a certain couple, not a real couple, but I'm just giving you an illustration here. A certain couple that we'll call Jim and, and, and Betty uh, had been married for five years, and uh, their happy bliss had faded into a daily conflict. They argued and fought every time they were together, and uh, they were no longer loving each other but treating each other as enemies. Eventually, Jim humbled himself and asked his pastor for help. And though his counsel, or through his counsel, Jim was able to see his faults, and he got right with God, and he began to study his Bible every day. Folks, that's an important thing. We need to be in the book. He began studying his Bible every day and applying it to his life, and he started praying for him and Betty. And he confessed his many failures to Betty, and this softened her heart toward him, and she too eventually got right with God, confessed her failures, and God enabled Jim and Betty to reconcile. Their marriage was restored. And I give that illustration so we understand reconciliation. Reconciliation is a complete change that enables enemies to become friends. Let me say that again. That's important. That's what we're going to look at today. Reconciliation is a complete change that enables enemies to become friends. Merrill Unger in his Bible dictionary defined it this way. He said that reconciliation is the restoration of friendship and fellowship after estrangement. He says in the New Testament it possesses the idea to change thoroughly. So reconciliation is another one of the great marvels of salvation. We've looked at several already. We've looked at propitiation. Remember what that was? Christ paid it all. He paid the full debt for our sin. We talked about redemption, how he bought us back as he paid the debt for us, and he bought us back from the slavery of sin and set us free. We looked at justification where he cleansed us and forgave us and made us clean inside through the blood of Jesus Christ, washed us clean through the blood of Christ. And we looked at regeneration, how we got new life in Christ. He's given us a new life in this earthly sense, but he's also given us a new life spiritually so that we can live forever with him one day. Today we're going to be looking at reconciliation. Reconciliation. Very important truth, a very important doctrine here for us to understand. And I want you to see how it applies to you and me. Number one thing I want us to see here is the need for reconciliation. If there wasn't a need for reconciliation, then it would not be important at all. But there is a great need for reconciliation. Scripture tells us that we were enemies with God. Look at verse number 10. Actually, I want to start reading verse number 8 of Romans 5. Give us a little context. Verse 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified, us forgiven completely, justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So this verse here, verse 10, speaks of reconciliation. He said, we are reconciliated, reconciled to God by the death of his son. 
And he says, because we have been reconciled, we know that we have been saved by his life. Two very great important truths here. But God points out here that we were enemies with God. We were enemies with God. The idea of the word enemy there speaks of hatred. It speaks of hostility. You may be wondering why, if God loves us, why would he say that we were his enemies? It's an important question. I mean, you read in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Why would he then call us his enemies? Well, the reason is because our sin separates us from God. Each time we sin, we are being hostile toward God and opposing God. So each time we do something we know is wrong, we are, we are opposing God. We're saying, I don't want to do what you want to do. I want to do what I want to do. And we, we oppose God. It doesn't matter whether that's a big sin or a little sin. You know, in God's eyes, sin is sin. So if we tell a lie, we are opposing God. God said not to tell lies. He said to speak the truth. If we tell a lie, we've opposed God. If we, we have a wrong thought, we are opposing God because God said we're to keep our minds clean. If we do something that is ungodly, God said that's wrong because you are opposing what I said was right. And so it's opposition to God. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 7, just up a few verses here, it says there, uh, because the uh, the carnality, uh, sorry, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. The carnal mind, the fleshly mind, he said it's not subject to God. It's against God. It's enemies with God. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 21 adds this. It says, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. God says we were alienated, we were pushed away from him, we were enemies from God, and he says now we've been reconciled to God. We've been brought back into that fellowship with God. Even wicked works from that form in the mind separate us from God and make us enemies of God. It doesn't matter what it is, any kind of sin, big or small, separates us from God. Because God is absolutely pure and holy. God says, I cannot let you into my life. I can't let you close to me. God has us washed clean. Just this morning, I kind of chuckled to myself. One of my neighbors, he, he, uh, every Sunday morning, well, not every Sunday, but often on Sunday mornings, he washes his truck, his ute. And it's a fairly nice new ute. And he, it's black, and he polishes it, and he shines it. He goes over every inch of the car, just every. There's not a spot of dirt on it. I, I'm, I'm glad he can't see mine because mine's not that way. But his is spotless like this. It's always nice and clean and shiny and beautiful because he keeps it clean. And God, you know, to one speck of dirt on that would be a blemish to him. You know, in a far greater way. God looks at us and says, one little sin, one little blemish, one little crossword, one little anger word, one rotten thought, one evil deed, separates us from God, makes us sinners and alienated and enemies with God. We've got a problem. We see examples of this kind of hatred in our world today. Russia and Ukraine battling it out because of their enmity toward each other. 
We see the same thing in Israel, between Israel and Hamas. And the battles there and the lives that have been lost and the harm and damage that has been done because of their enmity with each other. Thus God views sin, whether small or great, as rebellion against Him. It's an attack on His holiness. It's, it's, it's uh, aligned with His arch enemy, Satan. And any time we do something wrong, we're, we're actually siding with Satan instead of siding with God. That's exactly what Adam and Eve did in the garden. You, you look at what they did from, an, from the outs, you know, oh, just kind of a glance at it. it. You think, they didn't do that much. There was a tree that had some fruit on it, and God said, don't eat the fruit, and they ate the fruit. I mean, that doesn't sound like that big a deal, but it was a big deal because they aligned with Satan. They did what Satan wanted, and they rejected what God said. God said, don't eat that fruit. They directly disobeyed God. So it really doesn't make any difference whether we've done something greatly wicked or rotten to the core or just something we would minorly call, you know, it was a little bit of a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. God says it's all sin. It displeases him. We align with the devil and we oppose God. And for this cause, his justice demands compensation. The scriptures call that the wrath of God. It demands eternal separation from God and all that is good. Now think about this next statement. When God and good are taken from the equation, all that is left is bad and damnation. If you take God and good out of your life, you've got nothing left but bad and eternal damnation. There's nothing left. And so sin separates us from God. It is a very serious problem. It's a frightful thought to be enemies of God. The enmity that was between us and God was our fault, not God's. It's important for us to see that, you know, in our opening story with Jim and Betty, they both were contributing to the conflict. Neither one of them were getting along. Both of them were arguing. Both of them are saying things they shouldn't say. Things were not going right between them. But in, in our relationship with God, it's not God's fault. God has not moved one little bit in all the eternity that he's been. He's always been God. He's always been perfect. He's always been pure. He's always been clean. He's not done anything wrong. And he set a standard and said, I want you to do this. And we are the ones that have failed. We are the ones that have come up short. We are the ones that have disobeyed. So in that situation, we need to be reconciled to God. God didn't do anything to us. He doesn't need to be reconciled to us. He hasn't done anything wrong. We need to be reconciled to God. So it's more of a one-sided situation. We're responsible to get right with the Lord. Yet humanly, it's an impossible task. Humanly, you look at that and you think, what can I do to fix my sin problem? You can't. Lots of religious people today doing all kinds of religious things to try to fix their sin problem, but it won't work. You can go to church, you can say your prayers, you can do all kinds of Hail Marys, you can do, you, you, can, you can do all those kind of special things that religious people do, get baptized, take communion, say your prayers, read your Bible doesn't fix the problem. 
There's only one thing that can solve the problem. There's got to be a payment for the wrong that's been done. And that payment was only available through Christ. He's the only one that has paid the debt for us. He paid it all for us. We saw that in propitiation. He redeemed us back as he bought us back from sin. And he justified us, washed us clean. And he regenerated us, gave us new life in Christ. Why? So that he could reconcile us to God. So that we could be brought into God's presence again without God saying, get out of here, I can't let you close to me. He reconciled us to God by cleaning us up and enabling us to come into God's presence. That is wonderfully important for us to see. So we've looked here at the, the need for reconciliation. I want us to notice then the means of reconciliation. I've already kind of alluded to that because it all goes together. But as enemies, we need to be reconciled. We need that complete change that enables us to become friends with God. We need to get back into fellowship with God after being estranged from Him. We're estranged from Him. We need to um, let God fix this problem that's between us. Jesus Christ is our only hope. It's not in a church. I'm glad you come to our church, but our church can't fix you. Our church preaches the word that can fix you, but our church can't fix you. It's only Christ that can fix your problem. Christ Jesus paid for our sin. We saw in Romans chapter 5, we saw those words. Let me read them again. He says, but Verse number 8, but God committed his love toward us. And then while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Aren't you glad that that's true? If Christ would have waited until you quit sinning, or if I, until I quit sinning, I wouldn't have a chance. Because every day we do something wrong. Our thoughts, our mouth, our mind, our attitudes, we are imperfect people. And God did not wait until we were sinless. He died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9, he says, Much more than being now justified, washed clean by the blood of Christ, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. What a wonderful truth. Christ Jesus paid the price for us. It's not a church. It's not a person other than the person of Jesus Christ. John chapter 15, verse number 13, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, greater love has no man than this, that a man laid on his life for his friends. The disciples didn't understand what he was saying at the time, but they did soon. Within the next day or so, they realized he was talking about himself. Jesus Christ gave himself for their sins and ours. Christ justified us by his blood. Romans 5 verse 9, we saw that just a moment ago. You know, we, we identified a couple of weeks ago the justification. What does that mean to be justified? We said that it speaks of God's choice to forgive sin by accepting Christ's righteous propitiation as payment in full, enabling him to declare every repentant sinner who trusts Christ's payment to be just in his sight. I know that's a big mouthful. 
But what it is, is if you will trust Christ as your payment for sin, God will wash you clean. He will justify you, make you clean, and enable you then to be reconciled to God. Christ reconciled us to God through his death. We saw that in verse 10. His death in our place completely satisfied God's justice and his demand to punish sin. Completely satisfied it. It was through Christ's propitiation, redemption, justification, and regeneration that he is able then to reconcile us. That's why we looked at these others first. Because the reconciliation leans on all of those. But the next move is ours. God's done his part. More than he deserved, he needed to do. But the next is for us. How will you respond? God did not owe you or me anything. Our enmity against God was our fault completely, not God's fault. However, because of his great love for us, he paid the awful price. He paid for our eternal damnation in hell. That is amazing love. Amazing love. We must receive his payment. Just like Jim in our story, that the opening of the message here, we must humble ourselves and repent. Repent means to change your mind. There needs to be a change of our mind and we say, I have been wrong. I have been taught wrong. I have believed wrong. I see now from the scriptures that Jesus Christ paid it all. It's all what he did. And repent of our sins, trust Christ as our Savior, and let him cleanse us and change us from the inside out. That's what salvation is all about. Salvation is a word that describes all of these things and more. To be saved from judgment because of God's goodness to us. If you have received Christ's payment, you will be you have been reconciled to God. If you've never received that payment, you're not reconciled to God. You're still God's enemy. And though we don't like to think about being God's enemy, that's what the scripture says. We're enemies with God until we come to faith in Christ who paid the debt for our sins. If you've received that payment and been reconciled, you have something great to rejoice in. The results of this reconciliation, what exactly takes place when we are reconciled to God? You know, when Jim and Betty were reconciled, their marriage was put back together. The happiness restored. They were back in harmony again. They quit their arguing and fighting and got back into, into, into harmonious living again. That's what reconciliation can do with humans, and so it is with God. Reconciliation. Believers will be saved from God's wrath. We saw that in verse number 10 of Romans 5. We're saved from his wrath. You know, every sinner who receives Christ's payment is assured reconciliation from God. And he is no longer God's enemy. He is now God's friend. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be God's enemy. I want to be God's friend. To be an enemy of God would be a terrible thing. Now, there's a lot of people in this world that we wouldn't really want to be enemies with. Some people are just plain mean and hostile. I mean, if there are some of these gangsters and crooks and stuff like that, you wouldn't really want to be on their bad list and their hit list because you probably wouldn't be around long. They'd figure out a way to get rid of you. And there's a lot of people that have died by those kind of means. That's sad. So there's, you know, it's, it's bad to be on somebody's bad list here, but to be on God's bad list because we have been enemies with God and never received his reconciliation through Christ, that is the worst thing possible because it's not just talking about physical death that we'll face, but eternal damnation separated from God. But God says he delivers us from God's wrath. Reconciliation removes all of that so that we can be friends with God again. Now we can enjoy peace with God. Enemies have no peace. All they know is hatred and conflict and problems. Christ resolved all this for believers. We read in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, And having made peace through the blood of the cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, Christ made peace with us and God through his death on the cross. He paid all the debt. You know, if we, if you go too fast on the road and you get a speeding ticket for doing that, you have to pay the fine. But this, we're talking some much grander scale than that. And have someone come along and say, I'll pay the debt for you. I'll pay it in full. You don't owe a thing. That's what Jesus Christ has done for us. He's enabled us to be set free. He's paid the debt in full so that we can have peace with God. Peace with God enables us to have fellowship with God so that we can live free from guilt. Does guilt trouble you today? Guilt over things that you have done and said, ways you've acted, God wants to reconcile you. God wants us to be reconciled with our Creator. But you know, we must, we can and we must maintain that reconciliation. As believers, we're reconciled before God. But if this afternoon we sin, then sin stands between us and God again. Remember Psalm 66, 18 said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. God said, you can't come close to me. I'm not going to listen to you if you have sin in your heart. So what do we do to fix that problem? God's given us a great verse, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, folks, if you haven't memorized that verse, you need to memorize that verse. 1 John 1, 9. Write it on a card. Say it a million times. Go over it, over and over and over and over until it's second nature to you because you need that verse. That is your rescue. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is not to be... Misunderstood as the idea that, oh, I can do anything I want to and I can sin and, and I'll just run to God and say, God, I'm sorry. And then I go right back at it and do it again and say, oh, God, I'm sorry. 
God sees past that. He's looking at a sincere heart. He's not looking for somebody that's just using it as an excuse. But if we genuinely repent of our sin, we come to God. God said, I will cleanse you. I'll forgive you. I'll wash you clean. And I'll leave you so you are righteous again. And you're able to communicate with God. You read there in 1 John chapter 1, and it talks about fellowship with God. Verse number 6, it says, if we say that we have fellowship with God, but we walk in darkness, he says, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with God. And the blood of Jesus Christ is cleansing us from all sin. That's a wonderful truth. He said, we can have that cleansing all the time if we will walk with God and walk in the truth. But if we have sin in our life, we've got to get it out. So reconciliation not only is a one-time event that takes place at salvation, but it's actually a daily type of a thing where we're being continually reconciled, brought back into sweet fellowship with God. You know, the same is true in a marriage or in a friendship. There needs to be regular reconciliation. If you had some unkind words with your spouse, you need to go and get it right and reconcile. Don't let it build up and fester and get bigger and bigger. It's like getting a a sore and and not cleaning it out. This past week, I tried being a a good guy. I learned that it didn't pay this time. I was walking on my walk, and I saw six crows pecking on a little bird. They're all beating that little bird to bits. And I thought, poor little bird. I shooed away the crows, and I went over, and it was one of those little green parrots. It was just a baby one. He couldn't fly yet. Only he'd flipper and flapper, and he'd go a foot, and then he'd fall. So he's just a little guy. So I thought, well, I'll help him up into the tree so he can kind of hide from the crows. He didn't appreciate the help. He tore a big chunk out of my thumb. I still got a big old spot right there on my thumb. I mean, I said, oh, you little meanie. Well, fend for yourself then. But, I mean, I went home with a sore thumb, blood running all over. But I was trying to be a help to him. He didn't want my help. But there, there's a situation here where, I don't even know why I told you this story. But my mind went blank here. But we need to practice reconciliation with each other. We need to get things right with each other. We need to be willing to keep things right with each other. All right? And if things happen, it'll fester. Oh, that's what it was. It was festering. If I hadn't had taken care of the sore, I went home and told my wife about the sore, and she, she played nurse. You know, for the next half hour, I had to subject myself to her nursing. All right? So you've got to soak it and soak it and wash it for 10 minutes under the water and rub it with soap and water and then put and, and, uh, hydrogen peroxide on it and then bandage on it. I mean, she had, I, I, it was like I broke my arm. You know? But anyway, it was okay. I'm thankful it didn't get infected. That was good. So that was her goal. Right? So we need to get things taken care of so they don't infect And if you don't get a reconciliation situation in a relationship with somebody at work or your spouse, and you don't get that reconciled, what's going to happen? It's going to get worse and worse. It's going to fester. It's going to get worse. And and it's just going to escalate. And God knows that. That's why he tells us to get things right. So we need reconciliation not only between us and God. We need reconciliation regularly between us and our fellow man. And we need to keep it that way. Between us. 
In fact, that's why God tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26, he says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. He says, don't go to bed. He's specifically, I think, referring to couples. Don't go to sleep until you've settled your differences. That's a good policy. I'm grateful. Melody and I had that from the very beginning, and you know we've had a couple of late nights. But, but you don't go to sleep until things are settled. And that solves heaps of problems. And so it is in our relationship with God. You ought not to lay your head on your pillow at night knowing that there's sin between you and God. Get it right. Reconcile with God so that you can have peace with God. We need that regularly. That's God's plan. Once we've reconciled to God, He's given us a ministry. Turn with me now in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to show you some things here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he speaks of reconciliation. There's only two major, well, it's in the Bible several places, but two major places, Romans 5 and 2 Corinthians 5. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want to begin reading with verse, <clears throat> verse number 18. It says, All things are, are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, to it the God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto him, unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So what's he saying in this passage? Well, let me just put it in simple terms. He said that we have been reconciled to God, and because if you have been reconciled to God by putting your faith and trust in Christ, then he said, I have given you the ministry of reconciliation so that you can help other people come to that same place that you came to and help them find reconciliation with God. I don't even need to ask you to raise your hand because every one of us would raise their hand. If I said, how many of you know somebody that is not reconciled with God? Somebody that's not saved? All of us would say, yes, my street's full of them. And your street's full of them too. People have no peace with God. People, if they died right now, they don't know where they'd spend eternity, but most likely they'd spend eternity separated from God. They need reconciliation. And God said, if you've been reconciled, I've given you a ministry of reconciliation to go and share Christ with them. You say, Pastor, it's so hard. It's so, I, I just can't open my mouth. It's tough. Yes, I know. It is hard. But you need to be bold. You know, one thing that's a good testimony to this, and most of you don't realize this maybe, when I first met Melody, I took her to meet my family. And after the time of meeting them, you know what the first thing they said to me? Does she ever say anything? She's so quiet. She doesn't open her mouth. That was her. She's very bashful, very shy, doesn't talk to anybody. But God has helped her. She just told me the other day, that, I mean, she, sometimes she puts me to shame. She witnesses to people in the park, 
on her walks, gives out tracts regularly. Why? She said, something we, we, we had heard as on some preaching we were listening to. The preacher said, you will not fail as long as you open your mouth to share something. But you fail when you keep your mouth shut and say nothing. And she said that was a great encouragement to her. She says, even if I muck it up, it's better than saying nothing because that's certainly not going to solve anything. And so she opens up her mouth. And she's able to hand out tracts to people. That, and I, I sit back and I think, boy, I wouldn't have the courage to do that. And she did it. That's God helping her. And all of us can do better than we do. There's tracks on the back table. This time of year, there's one back there called um, uh, The Unwanted Gift. Works pretty good for Christmas time. I, I, I don't know if anybody's ever actually turned that down with me. I, when I offered it to him, I said, this is a little Christmas paper from our church. Would you have a read of it? Oh, yeah. It's got a gift on the front of it. And why not? And they'll take it and read it. I mean, you don't have to be, you don't have to go through a long oratory. Give them an opportunity. They take it. They got an opportunity to read it. But God says he has given you a ministry of reconciliation, not just to me, but to you. If you know Christ and you've been reconciled, then he says you have the ministry of reconciliation to help others come to Christ and be reconciled to God. Now, will you take the challenge? It's not my challenge, it's God's challenge. Yeah, I I didn't write 2 Corinthians. Paul penned it, God wrote it. And he wrote it for us. To help us to see that he has done so much for us, propitiation, redemption, justification, regeneration, and then all that to reconcile us to God. And he says, because I've reconciled you to God, now I want you to go and tell others about it so they can be reconciled to God. You can. If you've been reconciled, you've got a message to share. Now, if you have not been reconciled, you've got a message to receive. You need to receive that urgently. But if you have received it already, you've got a message to share. Now, why wouldn't we do that? Sometimes it's because we're afraid. Sometimes it's because there's sin in our heart and we know it and don't feel like we really want to talk to anybody about God because we know we're not right with God ourselves. That ought to drive us to our knees and get us right with God. We we may feel inadequate. We may feel like, well, I may, they may ask me some question I don't know how to answer. If anybody ever asks you a question you don't know what to answer, you know what to say? Here's what I say. I say, you know, that's a very good question. And I don't know the answer to that right now. But I'll tell you what. I will look up the answer and I'll find the answer for you. You give me your details, I'll get back with you, and I'll find the answer for you. It's not that hard. If you can't find it by doing your own search, Call me up and say, Pastor, I need some help. How do I answer this question? We'll work it out together. We'll get you an answer. You don't need to be afraid. It's okay. We're on the winning side. We're the ones going to heaven. They're the ones that are not reconciled to God. They're the enemies. They're the ones that are going to spend eternity in hell. We've got the answer to rescue them. Let's get busy and do our job. God says, you've been reconciled. Go out and reconcile others. Bring them to Christ. Our sin makes us sinners and opposed to God's holiness. It makes us as enemies. Such long-standing conflict between us and God can only be reconciled 
one way. Through faith in the blood of Christ. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. It is only through his blood. He is our propitiation. He paid the debt in full. He's our redemption. He bought us back from the slavery of sin and set us free. He's our justification. He made us clean, spotlessly clean through his justification. He regenerated us, gave us new life. Not only did he give us new life, he came to live inside of us as his Holy Spirit to give us the ability to serve him. And all of that was so that he could reconcile us to God and so God can put his arms around us and say, I love you, come close now. You've been reconciled, washed clean in the blood of my son. You're welcome to come close to me. That's a wonderful blessing. And if that's occurred in your life, then he says, I want you to take that and I go out and tell others about it and help them to be able to come to Jesus to be reconciled. You know, if all of us passed out one track this week and encouraged someone to read it, just think it, there's, there's 42 in our service this morning, including the kids. So if, if, if 38 of us passed out a gospel track, what a difference it would make. What an impact it could make. Our missionaries, Harrington's, if you read Harrington's letter, Brother James said that they've been standing out in front of their building, which is a big six or seven story building, and they, every Saturday they go out there and pass out tracts and invite people to their services, and they've been having regular visitors in their service. What a wonderful thing. It's because they've been passing out the gospel. We can do it. We can do it. And if you're here today and have never yet been reconciled to God, you're God's enemy still. But God doesn't want it to stay that way. He wants you to come close. He wants to reconcile you to himself. He paid the debt for us. The blood of Jesus Christ washed, washes clean if you'll come to him and receive it. If you've never done that, I urge you today, come to Christ. If you have trusted Christ and you know that something stands between you and your soul, your Savior right now, you can't sing that song, Nothing Between My Soul and the Savior, Not of This World's Delusive Dream. I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Jesus is mine. There's nothing between. If you can't sing that, then you need to get reconciled to God because you're enemies with God right now. You're standing away from God. And God says that you need to come. I've, I've already paid the debt for you. You're my child. You don't need to get saved again, but you need to get cleaned back up again. Let me wash you clean in the blood of Christ. 1 John 1, 9. You need to do that. Don't put it off.